0: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Your support means the world each and every week. If you enjoyed the episode this week, hey, tell your friends, your family, your neighbors to come along and have a listen as well. Please also make sure to like, share, follow, subscribe to us on whatever streaming service you are listening on. That support helps us to come back each and every week with new episodes. Today, we are sitting down with country music icon, Gord Bamford we talked to him about his journey which started by accident as a teenager when he signed up for a singing competition well actually his friends signed him up for that singing competition and that turned into a single on the radio and it has turned into a 20-year career in the canadian country music scene now he continues to release music that is making an impact earlier this year he released his 10th studio album Diamonds in a whiskey glass. We talked to him about that and his entire journey. So please enjoy our conversation with Gore Bamford. I want to talk a bit about your upbringing because you were born in Australia. And I wanted to learn a bit more about that and what that looked like, because your mom was part of a musical group over there, but were your parents from Australia or did they also move there from Canada?
1: So good question. I get this quite a bit. So no, my mom's from Alberta my mom's Canadian. And then I guess when she was younger, went to Australia, got married to an Aussie guy and my dad obviously. And, um, you know, at a young age, they divorced when I was five. So we come back to I'm back to Alberta, and I was raised, um, you know, in Alberta. With my mom got remarried to, to a great guy, and and all her brothers and sisters were farmers or school teachers. So I, I was raised, you know, in the Western heritage, and I grew up there on on a farm. And um, you know, since I guess the last six years, kind of reconnected with my dad. I've been touring in Australia a bit, and uh, and really had no connection with him till then. Um, oh wow! Kind of kind of by design, you know. It was, it was kind of bitter with the whole thing, but uh, I'm glad that I have, and and. Um, you know, reconnect with him, but that's how, that's how I kind of got this Aussie Canadian guy. So I'm <laughs> lucky I got dual citizenship and, um, I can go back and forth, but, you know, really, um, you know, it was really a good thing that, you know, to be back, you know, raised in, in Canada and Alberta and my mom obviously did the right thing there, but, I uh, and you know, I had a great upbringing through my uncles and, uh, my uncle Gord actually was a, a big influence on my life who I was named after. And, and, uh, yeah, that's that's the whole story of how we got the Aussie connection there.
0: <laughs> and I have to ask, you came over when you were five, so you were talking by the time you came to Canada. Were you developing an Aussie accent when you were young at all? Do you know?
1: I think I did have one at some point, but obviously being being here for so long, although it's it's easy to get it back. You know, if you spend you know a couple months over there, like you kind of you kind of uh, get the slang back and and the accent a little bit. But but no, I'm pretty. True blue Canadian now.
0: Yeah, exactly. And when you guys came back over, did your mom still play music? Was that still a part of her life? Or did she sort of leave that behind when you guys left Australia?
1: No, my mom and dad actually both played. So they, they kind of travel around playing music down there and stuff. But not, not to the extent of what I do. But, uh, you know, it might have had a bit of an influence on me, I guess. Uh, my mom, you know, she loves to have a few Caesars and sit around the campfire and sing a few tunes. But, but that's about it.
0: And so for you growing up, you were more a sports guy, right? You were sort of into baseball. And at one point that was a route that you were possibly looking to take.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was kind of my goal in life. I I played high end baseball. I ended up playing uh, some pro ball out of high school. I went to Australia, actually played over there and um, was kind of chasing that dream. And um, it's interesting because my son now who's chasing the, the hockey career, um, I mean it's a huge dedication to, to do that sort of stuff and uh, I just wasn't really dialed into that I was too too busy having fun and, and doing my thing and I was actually a pitcher at that level and, and just um, I kind of I ended up wrecking my rotator cuff so it was kind of the mm. end of it for me, but but uh, yeah I, I was kind of a sports fanatic back then that's what I wanted to do I mean this whole country music thing was never a never a plan you know just kind of kind of happened, you know, and I'm really fortunate that it did, but uh, it was never kind of like, I'm going to be a country music singer one day, you know, it was, it was never in the cards, but uh, it, it they all fell right. So it's good.
0: Right. And it was a talent show at 18. That was sort of the start of all the dominoes falling into place. But before that, when did you sort of start to develop a voice? When did you realize that you could sing and that you enjoyed singing?
1: I was actually a young guy. I mean, the story that's been told, and I don't remember it, was the, I got on stage with Rod Stewart at the age of four and was singing in a, in, in Australia, and I just jumped up and played with him. But, really? Uh, yeah, I mean, I always sang. I mean, I was always involved in music festivals and, you know, music. And, and uh, you know, in the 90s, like, it, you know, country music was all the rage. You know, Garth Brooks, George Strait, Alan Jackson, you know, that was kind of the thing. And kind of, you know, fell in love with it and, you know, met a buddy – that I grew up with who played guitar at the time. And, you know, we were kind of the the noon show in the high school and some people thought we were good and some people thought we were crazy, but that's kind of how it started. You know, and then talent show was really like just a, you know, we're just at a bar one night and it was this talent show. And all of a sudden my name got called out. I guess some buddies put my name in there to go up and play. I didn't even know I was involved in it. Oh, really? Next thing thing I knew I wanted. So it was like, that was, and and the winner got a, a song produced to be on the radio so that's how that's how it all started really but kind of crazy
0: and how crazy was that because usually talent shows you win some money or you win you know you get to play a different stage a bigger stage but like how crazy is that 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 competition you actually got a song on the radio like was that a pretty big deal
1: yeah it was, it was run through a it was called the search for the stars the q91 search for the stars so it was run through a a radio network which is now actually stingray is a radio station oh, but, okay um yeah so that was years ago and you know i was got you got to you know go to sunday sound in calgary alberta and have your first song produced and and you know that was kind of the start of everything for me it was you know it's tough to listen to that song now it's it's so, <laughs> so bad but but it was uh that was kind of the start of it and then you know from there just um you know, was farming a bit. I, I was in the electrical trade, you know, drove a lot of truck, worked in the concrete business. But back when I was playing, you know, the club scene was really big. So you could, you know, you could really go across Western Canada and play four or five nights in a bar, you know, and, and actually make money. You know, so it was like, wow, I can put a band together and get a truck and trailer and, you know, play, play my four sets a night. And I think that that was, uh, you know, that was a part of honing who I was. I mean, you got to go out and kind of – I always relate to it as like an apprenticeship. So you could go out and play these honky tonks every week, you know, across Canada and try and get good at what you're trying to do. And, you know, they don't have that now, which is unfortunate, but I think back in the day for guys like me, that really developed, you know, the show side of what I do and, and, you know, being comfortable in front of people and playing music. And so I was really lucky that way to have, have that avenue to go down. And, um, and it was a lot of fun too, man. We, we had a lot of good times, but You know, those road hours are priceless, you know, getting out there and and honing your skill and, you know, back then that's what you did. So, you know, it's so different today, but I I think that was a a big part of the the building process behind who I am for sure.
0: Right. And is that one of the reasons that you still like to go into those smaller communities and play those kinds of shows? Because that's what you're known for, right? Giving those communities that wouldn't normally have those shows that opportunity.
1: Yeah, I think for sure it probably has a, you know, it probably makes sense that I did that then and I do that now, but I actually just really enjoy it. You know, I I like these small town shows, Um, you know, with our foundation being so prominent and raising so much money for kids and community and, and people in Canada, you know, all these little towns are always looking for fundraisers too. So, you know, we, we now have a program where you know, we basically go in and play for the door and they take the bar or they have a silent auction or you know, it's just kind of a give back process that that we do that's kind of been instilled into what I do and, and my whole career. So it's uh you know, it's a lot of fun. And, and actually we're setting up to do a whole bunch of them this fall now that COVID's kind of letting loose here in, in some areas. So right, it's um it's good. It, it's uh you know, it's a little more intimate. And and I think that people, you know, I guess with where I've been able to get in my career. Kind of can't believe that man you're coming into small town bashaw to play. I'm like, yeah, I am. You know, we're gonna raise some money for your community. And you know, I think that's my fan base too. It's kind of my wheelhouse and, and those are my people. So it's um yeah, I, I enjoy it. And and at the end of the day, it's just about making a living and, and doing the right things and, and giving back. And you know, those are where your country fans are They're in those little small communities, they'll come to the city, but if you go to them, it's even better.
0: Right. And at what point did the bug hit you? Because you say before that talent show, it wasn't really ever thought to be a singer or country singer or anything. So after that talent competition, getting that song on the radio, is there a point you can remember where it kind of hits you that this would be a cool career?
1: Yeah, I was probably blaming on that red dress. That was, that was my first top 10 hit that kind of took off and, you know, people started, you know, the industry started to you know go this guy you know this guy's legit or you know i think this guy's pretty good and and then i mean you know as a young guy you just want to earn a living so it was like holy cow i can make money playing music and having fun and writing songs and you know making an impact on people's lives i mean this is a pretty good gig you know this is fun so you know it just kind of kept going and i love being on the road and uh and traveling and yeah it's just something that i think everybody strives for man i think when you wake up in the morning you know, you want to love what you're doing and, and, you know, the music business has kind of, you know, paved the path for me and my family and, you know, has give us a great livelihood. So, you know, it's something that, you know, I, I really enjoy and, 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 I'm, and I seem to be good at it and it, it makes, you know, it's, it's kind of paying the bills and it, it's, it's really what it is. So it, it's uh, it's always nice to, you know, like I said, wake up in the morning and enjoy what you do. So I, I can't see myself doing anything different, really.
0: And you say blame it on the red dress was sort of that moment. And it's funny because your debut album, your self-released album was at the beginning of 2001 and then blame it on the red dress was your album that you released in 2007. So it took sort of that long for you to realize, right?
1: Yeah. I think it's just the process. I mean, and I don't think it's any different today. I mean, you can have, you know, a couple hits out there, but it takes a, you know, it takes a lot of years to build a fan base and, and to build, you know, a revenue stream that you can support a family on. And, you know, when you talk about blaming on that red dress, that was seven years after I started, you know, and that was kind of the, Oh, it was kind of the staple and the start of, you know, where I'm at today. And, you know, that song we still play every night, you know, and people love it. So, you know, it was a, it was a great song and, and, you know, a song that impacted people. So, then again it comes down to that right the the best song wins and and that was one of them so it was uh it was definitely a big part of who i am
0: and meeting byron hill early on that was one of the kickstarters it seems for you taking the path down country music yeah now when you met him how how long was it before you started going down to nashville to sort of experience that part of country music
1: yeah so that was a huge thing for me to meet him um and it was kind of, I recorded a song called God's Green Earth that he'd written um, with a guy named McGill Grand at the time who was, you know, doing really well on the scene. And and there was a guy that worked with him that had pitched me the song. And literally, I was just surfing the internet one day, you know, on this Byron Hill guy who wrote it. And he'd wrote a blog on a story about this Canadian guy that did cut a song that he, he said, basically, I haven't heard something this good since George Strait or this or that. And I'd love to work with this guy one day. And I'm like, oh, he's talking about me, right? So. I connected with him at that point, and then, yeah, he just kind of took me under his wing, and and I went to Nashville, and you know, I thought I was gonna make it. You know, I had this deal with this Byron Hill guy who produces Gary Allen and Joe Nichols, and he's written all these hits, and like, wow, this is this is easy. I made it, you know. <laughs> I go down there, and basically, it was a meeting, and it was like, you know. You know, really like what you do. I want to, you know, write some songs and produce you, and then if it's it's good, we'll we'll continue to work. And that's how it all started. And he, uh, you know, was a huge mentor to me over my career. We did a bunch of records together, and um, and then I had to make the tough decision to go a different direction, which was hard. You know, he's part. He was kind of family, but we're still, you know, really good friends today. And um, he's been a big, you know, he's been one of the major factors in my success. You know, he taught me a lot about writing songs and you know, the, the, um, the importance of a great song and, and keeping it simple. And yeah, he's a, he's a, he's been a gem of a guy for me and definitely, a, you know, a big part of where I'm at today for sure.
0: And I heard you talk a bit uh, in other interviews about that relationship and it was sort of the business side that caused sort of a rift in it. And so for you and that business side, was it before sort of that 2007 and blame it on the red dress that you sort of understood the business side of things? Was that a difficult thing to wrap your head around or have you always been business minded?
1: Yeah, I have. I mean, I've always kind of been an entrepreneur, you know, and always been willing to, you know, really learn the business side of it and learn how to write a song or learn how to be an entertainer. Like always, um, you know, every day I can learn something from somebody, you know, and, and, and always just, wanted to control my own destiny you know and, and not be involved in situations where you're handcuffed and and um i've been able to do that luckily and you know built my own kind of little empire i guess you can say of what i'm doing but I, it's kind of rare to do that i mean it, it comes with a lot of risk too you know you gotta you gotta take risks to have re- rewards and um you know I've, I've learned a lot of hard lessons that, that doing it that way as well but at the end of the day it's um I'm in control of what I do. And I think that's, you know, sometimes it's, it's maybe a problem if, if you get too in control, but I think when you can be in control and, and do things the way you think they should be done, you have the most success. I'm, I'm really a gut feeling type guy, you know, if, if I don't think it feels right, I don't do it, but I also surround myself with really great people, people that are better than me. And and I, um I take a lot of feedback from them and um, I'm lucky to have that. So.
0: Right, And you talk about doing it your own way. I find it really interesting that over your, what has it been, like 20 year career, because uh, God's Green Earth was 2001. Over that time, when you listen to that album, and when you listen to your new album, the production is different, obviously, but the style of music that you are creating has remained the same throughout. And you're staying true to that. You're not sort of veering off to what's popular and the way country music might be going right now. So how important has that been for you to stay true to who you are all the way through?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a good question. I mean, but I think that's a, that's huge. You know, it's um, I mean, you can chase trends if you want, but they don't, they don't last. And I think you hit it on the head with the production side of things. I mean, you just try to stay relevant with, you know, the times on the production side, but man, I'm just really not good at that other stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm good at what I do and, or I think I'm good at what I do. And, 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 you know, I don't know how to do anything different than what I do. I want is play country music and, you know, write songs that people can relate to and, you know, impact those smaller communities and, and the fan base that I have. And it's always been my goal is just to, I've always said, you know, if I can sell 500 to a thousand tickets anywhere in Canada, you know, that's a really good living. And, and um, if we can control what we're doing and, and we can, You know, make an impact on people and communities. That's what it's all about. And and for me, it's uh, it's never been about winning awards or you know, being getting getting accolades. It's and and those have been plenty for me, which I'm lucky. But (laughs) but I mean, it's always just been about the music and the people and and you know, creating a job that can support my family and doing something that you know I love. So you know, that's kind of kind of why I do it. And that's I don't know how to do anything different. So just keep it pretty simple.
0: And keeping it simple. Now, do you ever take the opportunity to look back at that talent show and just kind of internalize what that moment meant and where life has taken you since then and the trajectory that you didn't think was possible before that, what it's created for you?
1: oh for sure i mean that's the that's the starting point where where i'm at today you know so it it all something things start somewhere and and it always kind of it always comes back to where it started too so it's like we're still doing the same stuff it's just you know people now know my music and they buy tickets and they enjoy it and you know i'm still i'm feeling like we just put out our best record ever you know Mm -hmm. I, i feel like i'm just getting started so it's uh you know, out of this pandemic, I mean, that was a tough thing for all of us, but, you know, hopefully coming out of this now, we're it's almost like a resurgence of, holy cow, we're just getting started again, you know, and um, it felt like that at Calgary Stampede. It was just, a, you know, epic night for us, like the band, myself, the fans, you know, so, you know, things always happen for a reason. I mean, this is, you know, this pandemic's obviously a kind of a restart, I think, for me, and, uh, you know, we put the record off months for months, you know, trying to, right, time frame, you know, and, and hopefully we have now, but yeah, it just feels like we're uh, kind of re-energized to get back out and give her. So,
0: yeah, it's kind of cool. I think almost like the pandemic obviously was hard, but like you say, as a restart for you, you have heaven on dirt right now, which I believe is set up to be your most successful single ever. And so after 20 years of doing this and coming out of the pandemic with Music that people are obviously still loving—that's got to be pretty exciting.
1: It is, and you know, when you got, you know, you know, now you got streaming platforms, you got all these playlists. It's like, you know, we never had that, so now you got to readjust, and your 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 marketing thoughts are a little different. But you know, now we're able to reach, you know, people all over the world that not necessarily listen to the radio or. or or hearing you through those chains so it's it's uh it's pretty exciting times for for a guy like me really because now you can you know now you can reach people through different platforms and and get them to hearing your music as well
0: and with the new record diamonds and whiskey glass there is a deluxe version that's going to be coming out right is that going to be coming soon now that things are opening up and and you can get on the road because i know you were sort of waiting for that right
1: yeah so it's coming out early next year with a. we got a big tour announcement coming out as well i have a duet on there with terry clark which is exciting and that's going to be a a single early next year with a possible tour announcement so uh, uh yeah so we're gonna we're setting up to kind of release that and that's the thing like we had so much music recorded and it, it's so different today. Like most artists are putting out EPs or singles, but yeah. So you know, for me, I feel like the fan base is, is large. And, and, you know, I still think that a, a body of music is a good thing. I think that people want, you want to take them on a journey. And so, yeah, this, you know, Diamonds and a Whiskey Glass and then the Deluxe is going to be, you know, basically a collection of like 18, 19 songs that people are going to get. And right now the the Diamonds uh, record is just digital, but we're going to have a, you know, hard copies, you know, early next year of, of like 19 new songs. So there are songs that you've heard. So I think it's exciting to, uh, you know, be able to do that and, and give back to, you know, the fans that have been there and then, you know, hopefully the new fans that are coming in.
0: Right. And with that sort of EP single mentality that, that things are sort of moving towards, like I think it's because artists want to have their music out there regularly. Right. But for you, you've always had an album every, well, it's been 20 years and you've had 10 albums. So basically every two years and from every album, you seem to have like between three and five singles. So quite a few singles from every album. And so even though you do do albums, you always have music out there. So has that been important for you throughout your career?
1: Yeah, I think it's really important. I think that, you know, people remember you for your next song. I mean, if you're lucky, you have a song like postcard from Pasadena that they all want to hear and you don't really like to play anymore, but they want to hear it. It's like, uh, I think, um, new music is, is always relevant. And I think that staying relevant, even after a career like mine is important, you know, that there's so many great artists that are coming up behind you that that keep you on your toes and you have to, uh, you got to stay competitive, you know, you can't just go away. So it's, uh, You know whether they go number one or number five or top 10 or they're you know or they're top 20 or or they're just relevant to people is is something that is important and you know again keying into the the best song wins you know i I write a lot of songs but i'm always looking for the best song like dive bar was a tebe right you know number Mm -hmm. one song i mean i'm just looking to put out the best stuff that can impact my fan base and you know it doesn't matter if i write them or, or don't write them and i just think it's staying relevant in in the times
0: and that's what I was going to ask you about heaven on dirt, because that's a song that you didn't write, but it's a very personal song for you that when you listen to it, you would expect that you wrote it because it's just yeah. so personal. And so, especially with that song, how do you feel when you get that demo for a song like that, that speaks to you so profoundly?
1: Well, that's a song. So I, I want a publishing company. So I had a guy like Buddy Owens who I write a lot of my stuff with and, um, mm-hmm was signed to that company for a number of years. So those songs, he would turn in all those songs and I, and I would have I would own those songs. And um, that's a song I've had for about five years now. So oh, I've wow. Kind of, I've been kind of sitting on that song, knowing that it was, and we pitched it around. To, it was actually written for a pitch to Blake Shelton. So we pitched it to him and, you know, he sat on it for a bit and didn't cut it. And, and um, you yeah, just kind of come back. I'm, I'm pretty good at remembering songs that'll really work for me. And I'll, and I'll dig into those catalogs and, and go back and, and get them. And that was one of them. So it was. uh, It just worked out that it kind of made sense in the times that we're in. But it was not. That was not the strategy on it. I just thought it was a great song, and like you said, it was really fit for me. So, yeah, it's it's doing great things. That the numbers on it are huge. But again, it's not. You know, it's not blowing up the radio charts at at the moment. I think it's top twenty, but it's sure impacting people. And and our streaming numbers are huge. And and uh, and that's the coolest thing about where we're at today with technology and what's going on. I mean, you can these numbers are real so those are people that want to hear it so it's not so much driven by radio anymore i mean you you can chase that number one which you know people want to do but Mm -hmm. um it's it's so unique to be able to have different platforms to uh get your music out there and and you can you know you got analytics on it you can see the numbers i mean so yeah it's it's numbers are massive on that song and it's just continuing to to rise and it's just a you know song that i thought would work you know five years ago and here it
0: is now (laughs) And another song on the album that is doing well in your home country of Australia is marry me again. Was that song written with your wife in mind or does it just come across like that?
1: Yeah. I mean, it was actually, it was a CCMA awards gala a few years ago. And they inducted a guy by the name of Harvey gold into the hall of fame. And, you know, he got up and gave, gave this great speech. And at the end of the speech, he said, my wife's here tonight. And, you know, he was celebrating you know his successes and said I can't wait you know we're going to Mexico I can't wait to take my wife to Mexico and he said I just want to ask you one thing he said you know would you marry me again and I'm like you know man what a great song title so I threw that in my phone and and you know down the road it's a great question I think people you know after lots of years of marriage would would look back and go like you know back when we started it was you know pretty cool you know it was pretty easy and, and it's gotten harder and harder and And you're still the the best person in my life but you know the question is like would you do it again would you marry me again you know so it was kind of a you know it came through that you know speech from a guy at a a gala who i don't know but you know the idea was pretty cool and it's really taken off in australia you know i think it's a question that you know a lot of people would probably ask their spouses and seem to impact over there so that's good
0: and Speaking of your marriage, I wanted to hear the story of when you moved back from Nashville to Alberta and you purchased some land without your wife knowing that you were purchasing it. So tell me about that story.
1: Yeah, so, you know, I I spent a lot of time out in the Bashaw area, out at the lake there when I was a kid and met some, had my good friends are out there. You know, a couple of buddies of mine had gone on into oil businesses and done really well and <clears throat> sold their companies and you know went back to their grassroots, bought this uh you know, piece of land out on the lake and now just back hanging out and they were developing it and basically were out on the boat fishing. They're like, Man, you should live here. Like, I'm like, ah, we can't, we're not gonna live here and it's nice and all that, but you know, we want you here. We'll, you know, we'll we'll give you a great deal on this lakefront property. We just want you in this community and you know, by the end of the boat trip and a few beers later, I bought this land. So it was like, there was <laughs> went home and I told my wife, we we're moving to and She was like, are you kidding me? I'm like, no, it's going to be great. And, it's, and anyways, it's worked out. She, they love it there. The, the school's small. The kids have done good. And we love it out there. It's called Pelican View Estates. It's really, the, you know, really booming out there right now. It's developing, uh, you know, very fast. And it's just a great spot to raise your family. So it worked out really good.
0: and how many years did you live in Nashville for
1: almost three we're down there um I mainly went down there to be writing songs more I was there so much that I thought that you better all be there but you know worked out that it wasn't you know I just think that you know raising kids in Canada is is where we think we should raise our kids and and we move back home and uh that's been the right choice for us you know we love it and you know I, I love Nashville my wife and I would probably retire down there but uh It wasn't a place for us to raise our family, which is is the most important thing to me. And the kids wanted to come back. So so we came back.
0: And I heard you talk about sort of 50 being the point where you might look at a farewell tour. And so when you look at that as an artist, first of all, how does it feel to be an artist who has enough, enough success to have a farewell tour, to think about having a farewell tour?
1: Yeah, I think when you talk about a farewell tour, I mean, it's more like you're not going to play as much. You're not going to be on the road all the time. You spend more time with your family and your kids and your wife. But, <clears throat> I mean, at some point they'll, it'll happen, you know, but, you know, we've lost a year and a half now. So it's right. like, you know, you want to go, you know, there, there's always a goal that I set for myself or, a, or a whatever amount of revenue that you need to kind of semi-retire. hmm <laughs> You know, it's kind of, kind of where it is, but I think when you're a musician you play music and you impact people's lives, you never, you never, you never retire from it. But that's still my goal. I, th- I think, uh, you know, slowing down at 50 for me would be good. I still, I feel younger than I've ever been, you know, you know, I'm in better shape than I've ever been. I mean, I, you know, there's this time in your life where you kind of, you get you peak and you think you're done. And then there's another time where it's like, Hey, I think I got another 10 years of doing this. Cause I love it. And then right, I kind of feel like that right now. So you never know. You, you, you you can't really put a a time limit on what, what I do. I mean, it's, you know, as long as the people still love the music, they're going to buy tickets. They'll probably keep playing, but I'm not (laughs) sure what pace, but for the next few years we're going to be giving her.
0: Right. And I heard you talk about your daughter Paisley. Is she moving towards a career in country music?
1: Yeah. She wants to, you know, we've been cutting some songs on her. Um, She's very gifted. You know, she's just got that tone that you can't teach and, you know, she's playing her guitar and coming up with ideas, but, But right now she's just being a kid. And I think that's important to play ball and volleyball and go to school. And I think getting her into the business too early is a mistake, but she's lucky because she can dabble in it. Like she can jump on stage and play a couple of songs in front of a few thousand people and, you know, really hone her, hone her skill. And kind of like what I was talking about, you know, with the bar scene back in the day, now she can come out with dad and experience, you know, the whole side of it and make sure she likes it. But, you know, yeah, it's all indications are she wants to be in the business and, you know, She's very driven girl, so if she wants to, we'll support her and obviously have channels that we can, you know, fast track some stuff and and help her out. And uh, it's very good, so we'll see what happens. but um, definitely we'll support that if she wants to pursue it.
0: And you said you wouldn't want to manage her because she's family, but you will support her. But as far as the management side goes, I know you do a lot of that for yourself right now. And so when the music starts to slow down, do you see yourself? maybe moving more into the management side and um supporting canadian talent coming up
1: i you know definitely her little sister says she's the manager so I, she's got that role but uh, uh i think so i mean i mean managing an artist is almost harder than being the artist it, it's a lot of work but uh i mean it's um it's something that i'll probably move into down the road obviously probably more on a consulting basis like especially with paisley and, and what she does and maybe more of a mentor side of things, but you know, I'm not sure about that. i I like to, I like producing records. I've I've started producing some stuff on this girl in Ontario, Danielle Bregeau is her name and she's great. You know, I'm just, so I think maybe the producing side of stuff would be the first thing I get into, but, and I've been asked to produce a lot of records, but to be honest with you, I I need to be passionate about what I'm, what I'm doing. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's the producer side of things, but then you always want to you know, take that artist to the next level too. So you want to be able to help them and and you have to have the time to do that. So I think moving on down the road when I'm, you know, taking some time away from touring and, and not being so busy, I, I think I can see myself dabbling in maybe the management side, but probably more on the, you know, more on the song side, you know, finding the great songs, producing the records and, and helping artists, you know, get going kind of like Byron did for me. So I see myself do more of that.
0: And on the performing side, after a year and a half away, you have played some shows. Calgary Stampede was the biggest one. Now, was that a good indication? Because I've talked to some people and I've said, after a year and a half wouldn't it be just the worst feeling to get on stage and be like oh I don't kind of I don't really enjoy this anymore after that break you know realizing that maybe this isn't what I want to do so for you getting back on that stage was it just that reassurance of how much you love to do it
1: I think for all of us like it was a a pretty epic night there in Calgary you know it was they always put me on the last Sunday which is kind of a hit and miss you know right or not but it was packed and yeah, everybody was excited to be out there and play and and it was fun. I think on the other side of it like I feel sorry for some of these new artists that have, that were just coming out, you know, at that time and having a couple hits and and their momentum, you know, right being right there to to break and then all of a sudden not being able to go out and connect with people. And I feel bad for some of those acts that you know, it's been all that time getting to a point where here it's finally going to take off and then having to take this, you know, unexpected break, but hopefully they can they can rebound but for me it was I was lucky because I had this fan base to people and it was almost like it was a, you know you talk about sitting the market out and and you know keeping people hungry for for coming back to your shows it was it was like a you know it happened because it, it, it happened for everybody so it was almost like a resurgence for us to go back out and play again and it was like man we can't wait to see this guy again so it was it actually kind of worked you know other than we couldn't leave our houses and we weren't making revenue. It was kind of a, I'll say a nice break. It wasn't nice, but it, it, it kind of worked out for me.
0: And how difficult was that break on you as sort of the business manager for yourself? And I know you have your band and over the past year, the band has changed out some members because of COVID. How difficult was that for you just sort of sitting there and Seeing your band and not being able to support them by having them out on tour
1: yeah, it was really tough you know because those are you know those ten people that work in your organization you're reliable for you know that's their livelihood so it's probably harder on that side than it was for me to to sit at home, but you know we found ways to keep them busy and keep them creative and making a little bit of income but yeah, we did lose a couple of bandmates, you know, had these guys for 10 years, you know, that had to actually get jobs and, and they got good jobs and and the jobs they still have. And, you know, it come down to, they can only play weekends and, and that didn't work for me. So we had to replace a couple people and, you know, it's worked out really well. It's it, sometimes that happens and, you know, they're, they're great people that we replaced, but they're, they're enjoying what they're doing and, and, you know, maybe it was a reset for them too, to you know, figure out their life a little bit, but, uh, you know, we got a couple new members that are, you know, young and, and ready to go and ready, you know, it's, it's, it's good. It change is always good. Sometimes change happens, um, on its own, which is what the pandemic has, has made, made happen for, for a couple of the bandmates, but, you know, we're sad. They're, they're not part of it, but we're also, you know, happy to move forward with the new bandmates that are in the band. And, you know, our, our band's pretty tight knit team, you know, they've been around for a long time and, um, I think that's a testament to how we treat them and and how our organization works. And we we did our best to make sure they were taken care of in the pandemic. And um, yeah, it's it's good coming out of it, it's gonna be fine.
0: And what was it like being back on the bus? What did the body think of that?
1: Well, the bus didn't break down, so we we're worried about it sitting for eighteen <laughs> months. But uh, yeah, it was great, man. It was just uh, it was a pretty special night there in Calgary. I think you know everybody. Was kind of relieved to be playing to people, not cars honking horns. And and um uh, it was uh it was awesome. And now it's just it's like this energizer bunny, you know, we're just ready to go again. It's 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 been a nice reset, to be honest with you.
0: And so when can we expect the announcement of the new music and the tour?
1: Yeah, pretty quick. We got a small town western Canada type, you know, kick COVID in the ass is what it's called. <laughs> nice, here, and uh, it's uh it's going to get announced here and we're going to stagger it. But there's about 30 small town dates that are going to happen, mainly in, depending on the rules, but mainly in Western Canada and pretty much all through October, right through to the end of February, just staggering stuff and playing that. And then we got a big arena announcement coming out here early next year. So
0: nice. Awesome. And what can we expect from the deluxe edition of the album and the new songs that are coming out?
1: It's just meat and potatoes, man. It's just country music. You know, it's, it's uh, stuff that I grew up on the stuff that I love. And, you know, and then there's some, you know, today's radio stuff in there. It's just Gord Bamford stuff. It's just, uh, you know, kind of on steroids really. So (laughs) uh, it's the same sort of thing, but I think it's the best stuff we've ever done.
0: I love it. I love it. And that's what I say. It's amazing that With your music, like you say, it's Gord Bamford. We know what we're going to get. There's a few surprises in there. But for the most part, you know that if you like Gord Bamford, you will like the new stuff. And so I really appreciate that the way you've been able to sort of navigate your career in a way that after 20 years, you're still making it work and you're still having success and you're still you know continuing to build your fan base over all of that time so congratulations on all of that
1: yeah thanks a lot i mean i think that's important i think you gotta you know you you gotta cater to the fans that you've had all these years but then you also gotta reach out and find new ones and and, uh, like again that's what the streaming stuff's done for us you know to be able to get our music out there to people that have never heard it before and And it's such a, I don't know, it's just so simple. This the stuff that we do. I think people can relate to it and, you know, and then having like, we talked about the bandmates and the show and the crew and the team, like having good people is such a key to to your success. And I've been lucky to have great people. So uh, we have, we have them and we're ready to go and, you know, it's going to be fun. The next few years are going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be out playing a lot. Like you're going to see us everywhere. We're going to play small towns. We're going to play big cities. We're going to play little halls. We're going to play big arenas. I think people are are itching to have music again, and uh, you know, the timing's great to get back out and do it. So we we might as well. That's what we do to. That's what we do to earn our living. So we might as well be out playing, not sitting at home.
0: And that's amazing. I love that you have not gotten to a point where you're like, I want to make money. I'm just playing arenas. You know, you're you're doing it all. You're still playing those little halls as well as the big arenas, and I think that just speaks to the kind of artist you are, and the the down home roots that you've been able to keep throughout this whole career.
1: Yeah, I mean that's kind of been my whole motto. I, I was raised that way. You know, it was you work hard to play hard, and uh, you know you you got to be a good guy, and you got to, you know, your next move is important, and and what you say and what you do. You know, which you've I've learned a lot of hard lessons that way. But uh, I think um, at the end of the day, it's just being a good good person and doing things that you love, and you know, giving back. And that's that's been a big part of me is, is giving back to communities and people. And you know, because really, I mean, I I don't I can't work without those people that are buying the tickets and the records and and downloading the songs. Like it's kind of a give and take thing. And and I think uh, we've been good at doing that, and we really enjoy doing that. So
0: and you talk about giving back i want to talk the numbers for one sec before we go cuz with your foundation i saw it's been 14 years 4.2 million dollars raised and you've supported over 700,000 kids and community members through that that's got to be a pretty darn good feeling
1: it is and the best part about that is it's all canadian you know we, we all our money stays in canada and we have so many people here that need help you know, I appreciate all the efforts that happen outside of Canada that people do but I mean it's important to me as a Canadian to give back to our own people and uh, you know it's mainly driven through the youth or the children's hospitals and kids and you know as you grow up and have a family and you do things in life you know, you're, you know your um, motives change a bit you, your priorities are different and you know the next generation of the kids that are coming up are our next generation of hopefully superstars out there so you know, you just try and give back to that and, and be involved in communities and, and with people. And it just kind of makes sense to do all that stuff, you know, and and, it, and it's also something that I love to do. So it's, it's I'm most passionate about that. And yeah, the foundation just been a massive, you know, thing for us. It's kind of gone to places that, you know, we never dreamed of. And it's just, uh, we're building more and more of it. Like we're expanding our golf tournament now, we're doing different things. And yeah, we get, again, just great people working in that organization which make it all happen.
0: Thank you guys once again so much for listening and thank you to Gord for stopping by and sharing his story. Check out his album Diamonds in a Whiskey Glass wherever you stream your music and keep an eye out for more info on the deluxe edition of that album coming soon and also more tour dates throughout the year. Please also make sure you are liking, sharing, following, subscribing to us on whatever streaming service you are listening on and head over to social media as well. Give us a follow there to stay up to date on all the exciting interviews we have coming up in the future. Thanks once again for listening and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me.